0: You're listening to a podcast presentation of Hillside Foursquare Church in Reno, Nevada. I want to invite you back towards a seat. And as we come back, we are diving into our first series of the new year called Jesus, Your Name. And as we do, I just want to do a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we just would invite the Holy Spirit to be here today. We know that wherever we are, you are as well, but we just want to acknowledge you, Holy Spirit, and the work you want to do in our lives. And we open ourselves up to you. We ask you to uh, lead us into all truth, convict us of sin, convict us of righteousness, convict us of judgment. Uh, Remind us of the things that Jesus has taught us. Uh, Continue to cause the dead parts of us to be brought to life. Lord, transform our minds, our hearts, our lives. Fill us in the... To overflowing with your spirit with anything that you know that we need we just would invite you and acknowledge you and just recognize we need you so much in Jesus name amen amen so in this series Jesus your name we're talking about the name of Jesus and how that is tied into our relationship with him And what the name of Jesus really represents, it's his power, it's his glory, it's his sovereignty, it's his love, it's his peace, it's his character, it's his integrity, it's his ways and means, it's everything that he represents. And if I was to title today something, kind of a subtitle under Jesus, your name, it's Jesus, the name above all names. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be exploring many different things about the names of Jesus. Next week, we're talking about everything that we do, we're called to do in the name of Jesus. And it's uh, in some of the ways we can think, well, does this really show up in our, in our lives today? Like in the Old Testament or New Testament, where you see uh, people were very concerned about magic and, and really wanting to have power over the spiritual realm. And so like at the, the, the city of Ephesus, People would spend big money to get the most powerful name that they could get so that when the stuff is hitting the proverbial fan, they could declare this name and it would provide for them peace or joy or et cetera. And what we find is that Paul does not come against all the, the people in Ephesus as he's there for three years pastoring them, but he teaches them about the supremacy of Jesus and all that, who he is and what he does. And there comes a point in the church at Ephesus at a time, I mean, I want you to hear this. The Ephesian people loved Jesus, and they walked with Jesus, and they were people who studied his word, and they were dedicated to following after him, and yet they had a pixie, to use Tim's words today. They had a, they were hedging their bets. They were two-faced in that they were also invoking the names of these other little g gods and idols in order to invoke protection. And there came a point when a great conviction came upon the church, not upon the city of Ephesus, but upon the Christians who called upon Jesus' name. And as one person, they gathered, and more than 50,000 days' wages worth of magic and amulets and, and spell books and stuff that people had been hedging their bets about Jesus, they took all that and they burned it as a sign of saying, not like a, we just, we can't have this stuff around, but they acknowledge that the name of Jesus is above every name, and we are not going to uh, give our devotion to him and then give our devotion to these little G-gods. We're not going to just try to invoke certain names and never really engage with Christ anymore. We're, we're done with this. And what Tim talked about, and again, I don't want us to miss the prophetic nature of what he said C- cooperating with what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life will lead you more and more to saying yes to Jesus and saying no to your flesh. It would be saying yes to the Lordship of Jesus in your life as Lord and Master, and no to the things that are vying for the attention that belongs only to Christ. Does that makes sense? So this is good. If it doesn't make sense, then I'm going to keep talking about this for several weeks. So it's coming anyway. So the name above every name. And really, I would say it's like, who gives you the authority to do this? Let me just show one practical way. This showed up in my house this morning. I came downstairs to get ready to leave. There are three children under the age of five who live in my home. They are my grandchildren. They live with their parents in my home, and they are in the process at some point of they're going to move to their own home. But we're not, today is not that day. So I come in there, and there's two of the three are there, the three-year-old and the one-and-a-half-year-old and they have the container of Nestle Quick. And the top is off, and they've got the scoop, and they're scooping the chocolate out and putting it on the floor. <laughs> this isn't normally a, a thing at our home, but it's not unusual. And I immediately say to the three-year-old, because the one-year-old is worthless when it comes to like, answering stuff, he just says, yeah. It's like I said, uh, excuse me, Brody, what are you doing? And he's all, uh. Saul, it's like he's passing it off on the, on the 18 months. Well, Saul, he wanted to do this. It's like, get this. Who told you you could do this? I could have said, by what authority are you emptying chocolate quick onto the floor of my kitchen? And he could have said, Jesus told me to do that. It's like, no, he did not. And he said, well, my mom, and I was like, I don't think your mom would have you do this. And it was at that point, mom came, she was gone for, I mean, moms, you know this. She was gone for 12 seconds and they entered the pantry. They got the quick down. They opened it. They got three or four scoops on the ground, and what are they doing in it? What are we going to do with this? They're licking it on the ground. It's, they're not licking it from the, from, the, from the scoop. They're licking it on the ground. Why? Because they're little boys, and that's what they do. They lick stuff, and they make messes. And it's like, who said you could do this? And he's going around, uh, uh Sully wanted to, uh, uh, I don't, maybe it was, uh, we, 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 maybe we could do this. Like no. Who told you? And eventually it came down to, no one told you could do this. Okay, then you can't. Transferring this to big people world, when it comes to the name of Jesus, where you're going to function. If you're going around and you start writing tickets for people who are parked improperly in supermarket parking lots, and someone says, hey, excuse me, why are you writing tickets? You better have the authority that's greater than the citizen's arrest type of thing going on. There better be, oh yeah, I'm an agent of the, uh, I'm a meter maid. This is what I, you can't just function on your own. You have to be under the authority of someone who is rightfully established as the authority over that place. So this happens in our world all the time. So as we're engaging with this in this first century world, don't let it seem like it's so far away because it shows up all the time. In whose name, by what authority are you doing this? That's all of our next week. Anyway, Jesus, the name above all names. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 45 to kick us off. Prophetic word from Isaiah, speaking as God. There is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn for my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. This is a prophetic declaration in the Old or the First Testament that God will call all the nations Of the world to himself to submit to him as the Lord and Master over all, at whose name every knee will bow and every tongue will declare the the truth of it. Even if people don't agree with it, there will come a time when every person on the planet who's ever been born, whoever will be born, will declare Jesus Christ is Lord. Because even if they don't believe it, they will have to acknowledge it. We willingly acknowledge Jesus Christ as our master and as our savior. So those who put their trust in God will not be put to shame. You will not be let down. That does not mean you will not experience disappointment. It just means when everything is done, when the dust settles, you will not be disappointed. You will be a 49er fan after the Seahawks game yesterday. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. I just wanted to use something that was in people's minds today. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. This is the, the crux of, this, of the, our, our message today. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. "...having the eyes of our hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you." What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. That's one sentence. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus Christ is ranked above. He is placed above all else. And as Paul's writing to this church at Ephesus, this is a place where he had served the longest period of time. Most of Paul's uh, visits that he made were of a one, two, to three-week variety. He'd go into a place, he'd declare the gospel, he would teach the people who responded. He'd establish someone as like the pastor or the elder or the overseer in the area, and he would leave. And then he'd write them letters, and then he'd come back later and visit and check and see what's going on. He'd make corrections because imagine if you're a Christian for a week and you know you just happen to be two days older in the faith than the rest of the people in the city, so you get to be the pastor. And there's going to be a bunch of messes. It's really why we have the New Testament. All the letters that Paul and John and Peter wrote were were basically clean up on aisle five type of messages. To say, you got to stop doing this, you got to start doing that. In this particular spot, Paul is praying that these people that he desperately loves, these people who he pastored for three years... The next closest amount of time he spent somewhere was uh, in Corinth for about a year and a half. So three years of his life, which for Paul, it was forever. And it's because Ephesus was uh, the place in the Roman Empire where it's like all roads lead to Rome, but all roads go through Ephesus. It was the, the center of that world culturally. And he's praying that they would receive the Holy Spirit and the wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit and the understanding and revelation about who Christ is and what our relationship with Christ entails. Tim did not know as he's preparing communion today that there's going to be this, and wait, there's more coming in the message as well. So it's one of those things where I'm thankful that God aligns those things. You you get to hear it multiple times because often we need to hear something two or three or more times before we start to get it. It's not because we're dense. It's because we are prone to wander and we're prone to to just kind of start getting caught in our own heads. In this spot, Paul is praying that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened or that we would open up and see God for who he is. We have two sets of eyes minimum in our, in our lives and our bodies. Number one, we have these eyes, the eyes that we can see physically with. But Paul's talking about the eyes that we see spiritually with, the eyes of our heart, the, the manner in which our, our, our eyes and our minds and our lives are opened up to spiritual things. The only way we can interpret or understand or even follow after spiritual things is that the Holy Spirit is working in us and drawing us to God. No one comes to God on their own. You may feel like the biggest spiritual doorknob in the history of doorknobs. You are not a doorknob because you are responding to the Holy Spirit. You may seem like you don't respond as well as you could, but welcome to the human race. The fact that you would want to pursue relationship with Christ does not originate in you. It originates in the Holy Spirit who draws you to Jesus. Give yourself grace and know that, yes, you may be dense in certain areas, but you're doing, taking steps towards him. Does that make sense to you? Don't beat yourself up and don't cast yourself away because of the areas of failure you've engaged in. Acknowledge, I am following the Holy Spirit. I'm hearing God drawing me. And Paul's prayer is that more and more, their eyes of their heart would be enlightened. Whenever I come across a prayer in scripture, I pray it out loud for myself. I pray this, I pray that the eyes of Louis' heart would be enlightened, that I would know more and more the Holy Spirit given wisdom and revelation of Christ, that I would know what he's called me to, and the hope he's called me to in Christ. That I would know the riches of the inheritance that God has given to us in Christ. That I would know the immeasurable greatness of power towards believers that is given to us according to God's word and according to his mighty power. I don't know always what to pray. This is a cheat sheet, Amen. and it's good. It's not, you know, anybody who feels like, you know what, I just, I just need to come up with my own. Well, you're probably an inventor, and you really like that sort of thing, but it's okay to adopt the prayers of Scripture and to pray them yourself. Our hope is that what God intends for our lives would be worked into us by Christ, and it's the same Spirit of Christ the Holy Spirit, that raised him from the dead that is at work inside of us. And here's the thing. When Jesus submitted himself to God and took on the form of a servant to to live as a man here on this planet, to be obedient to him even unto death, when he was crucified, dead, and buried, God raised him from the dead three days later. And because of Christ's obedience to him, God raised him from the dead and then seated him at the right hand of the Father in the heavenlies. The right hand is the place of honor. It is the place of authority. He is seated there as a sign that, number one, his work is done. Number two, that he has the sign of ultimate authority and power in the kingdom of heaven as granted to him by the heavenly Father. And as he has been established by the Father, the right and basis for Christ's authority over all is not something that's just because God says, you know, I just, this wouldn't be great. It's because Jesus defeated every ruler, every authority, every power every dominion, every physical and spiritual stronghold, he has been given a name that is above every name. He has been given the authority that is above every authority. He has been given the power that is above every power. He has been given the deliverance that is above any deliverance. That any who would believe in him and call on his name get to live and walk and function in the power of his name because of what he's done, not because of what we've done. Let me tell you, I have walked into a church to bring discipline to a church before. I I oversee ten other churches, and many years ago, I had to go in and I was having to bring correction. And somebody in the church says, "Who do you think you are coming here, coming here and questioning us? You know, you're back then. I was a whippersnapper. Now I'm older." But back then, I was in my 30s, and it's like, this guy had shoes older than me, and he's looking, He said, like, who, who, who do you think, what gives you, what authority do you have? And I said, well, I'm not here in my own authority. I'm here in the name of, and I said, my district supervisor, and he's authorized me in his name to come here and work. You know what happened when I invoked the name of my district supervisor? Come sit down over here, sir. <laughs> let's, let's talk over here. It was like a complete change, because... In my own authority, I had nothing. But I was not coming in and throwing the name around. But when challenged, I wasn't acting in my own authority. I was acting in the name of my boss. And that's just one little tiny picture of how we are empowered to live and walk in the name of Jesus to do the things that Jesus said for us to be doing. We cannot use his name as a blank check to just kind of do whatever we want to do. You can't walk around and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to, you know, fly today. Or in the name of Jesus, I declare that, you know, everyone shall wear black every day of their life because it's the best non-color. You can't just start selfishly throwing things out there. It doesn't work that way. It has to be congruent with the revealed character and integrity and mission that God's given to his people. And then you have carte blanche. That's where Jesus said, anybody who asks anything... In my name, will receive it. He's talking about when you're doing my business and you're going to be taking care of business, invoke my name and you're good. Last night, Joni and her admin team had their belated Christmas party. And because my wife wanted to come home to me at some point, it was about 10.30 and the rest of the admin team are more, how can I put this, adventurous, uh, night owls. They, They were gonna stay out longer. And Joni... As I, after I picked her up, I said, you know, who's taking care of business? And Joni said, I gave them my, my card to pay for, the, you know, the, the, they're doing, you know, having fun, doing fun stuff. I gave them my card. It really is nice to know I trust every single one of those women implicitly. But it's also really fun to think of my 26-year-old daughter, one of the admin team, walking into a place and slapping her mama's card down. So and saying, I'll pick up this dessert round, or I'm picking up all this, these games of pool that we're playing. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm paying for this. It's so, like, is that yours? No, it's my mom's. It's our boss's. And you think, well, you know, we've done, anybody else you've done something like that before? Somebody said, I authorize you to go do this. It's that kind of normal stuff that Jesus says, go and do business in my name. And he's given us his authority, his power. It's all that's associated with him And because he's the name above every name, there is nothing under heaven or earth, under the earth or over the earth that can withstand it. When Jesus sent his disciples out and said, go declare the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out the the evil spirits. They came back and said, Jesus, dude, this is crazy. Even the demons obey in your name. That doesn't mean we go looking for demons under every rock. But I can tell you, when you, come in, when you encounter the kingdom of darkness, you do not need to be afraid. But in the name of Jesus, you can command those things to be silent and command them to be gone. And it will be subject to the name of Jesus because you know him. Okay, This is a significant thing. Jesus told his disciples, you know what? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Let's not get excited about that. That's just when you're walking to your garage and you see a scorpion, you kill the scorpion. You don't go on a scorpion hunt and try and find every scorpion in 10 square miles. You deal with what's in front of you. God lets you see it, you deal with it. Jesus said instead, rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that you belong to me. Whew. He has placed, God the Father has placed all things under his feet. That means he has authority over it. It's, it's an old school um, picture that royalty uh, would often invoke. That for a person who had authority over another, I'm not going uh, to try to show what this might look like, but it would be like taking your foot and the person who you had authority over would be forced to come up and put their, their head on the ground and you would put your foot on their neck and all things have been placed under your feet. If you were to walk into this situation, and you see a king standing up front, most likely got a sword or a lightsaber or something of, of power, and there's a guy under, with his foot on his neck, and he's laying there, who do you think's in charge? The guy on the ground with his, somebody's foot on his neck? No, it's the one who has all things under his feet. Jesus has all things under his feet. Romans 16, 19 says that the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. That doesn't mean we're going on a demon hunt. That means that when we are accomplishing the things that God has called us to be and to do, and we're doing business in his name, it will require stomping on scorpions and trampling on snakes, real and spiritual. Does that make sense? And you do not need to be afraid when you encounter that because you're not functioning in your name. You're functioning in the name of the one who is above every other name. This is good news. I can hear my mom at home going, Amen! I can can hear it. Thank you, Mother. One of my favorite sections of Scripture invokes this same passage about Jesus, the name above every name. And it's in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to do Philippians 2, 9, and 10. But... Really, I'm going to tell a little bit about the the beginning part. Jesus on God's mission. Paul's writing to the church at Philippi, and he says, I want you guys, hmm, I want you to embrace the mission that you've been given like Jesus embraced the mission that he was given. I want you to imitate Christ in how he chose to engage the mission God gave him. The same mindset, the same attitude, the same love, the same unity, the same single-mindedness. His mission, which he chose to accept, was to take on that which God the Father had given to him. There would be no selfish ambition, no conceit. It would be all humility and care for others. Jesus came to earth being fully God, but also fully man, but he did not attempt to hold on to his God privileges and his God rights and scripture says he emptied himself all the rights he would have had as God he laid aside he was still God but he laid those rights aside and he lived the 33 years here on earth as a man filled with the Holy Spirit just like all of us can be doing business in the name of God the Father which he's called all of us to do to show us that this is what it looks like to follow after God he did not come as God and simply just do things in ways. we were like, man, we could never do that. We could never do that. He came and he lived in such a way and said, follow me. And as we follow him, then we say to others, follow me as I follow Christ. The fancy name for Jesus emptying himself is kenosis. He, he, he didn't say, I'm no longer God, but he said, I'm not going to function here on earth as God. I'm going to function as a man dependent upon God, filled with the Holy Spirit. In order that all who would put their trust and hope and faith in him could have their sins forgiven. And they could have life in all of its fullness given to them. Because through Adam and Eve's sin, we lost all that. All dominion, all power, all authority that God had originally given to them in the Garden of Eden was taken from them because of sin. Jesus came and he defeated death and hell and got the keys to hell. When he died on the cross, he went to hell. He took those things and he conquered them. And therefore, that's why, I mean, this is a long explanation, but that's why when we say we believe in Jesus, we receive salvation. It's not because he said, oh, it's going to be okay. It's because he already paid the price. And by putting our trust and faith in him, we are walking with him in his victory over death and sin and hell and Satan and all the other junk. that makes sense? This is important. I'm really excited about that. I'm serious. I'm super excited about it. Jesus obeyed even to the point of death on a cross, bearing the curse that comes with anybody who dies on a cross, which leads us to, as a result of all that, Philippians 2, 9 and 10, therefore, because of everything I just said, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, the name above all names. Therefore, as a response to this, God has highly exalted Jesus, gave him the name above every name, so that at the name of Jesus... When it's utilized in the, in the, through the mouths of the people who belong to him, every knee will bow on heaven and earth above and below. Every tongue will confess allegiance. Jesus Christ is Lord. Bear witness to that, to the glory of God the Father. When that's happening, it's not because, oh, look at Louis's awesome, or, oh, isn't that great? Joni's great. No, it has to do with its glory and all glory to God. With all that said, we're bringing it home. Here we come. When we declare Jesus' name over everything, we are acknowledging him as our Lord, our master, our savior, and that's a direct relationship. He has our names in his book. Bad, bad analogy. But when I get a phone call, I'm a million times more likely to answer that phone call if the person's name is in my contact list. Do you know what I'm talking about? If it says, hmm, Gabs, Nevada, possible spam. I don't think so. I drove through Gabs once. No one there wants to talk to me or you. But if it says Walt, if it says Jake, if it says Tim, if it says Willie, if it says Bill, it's like, yeah, I want to talk to these people. If it's somebody under 20, it's like, they wouldn't call me. They only text me. But I'd know who it was. I'd know who it was. It's through relationship. When we declare Jesus' name, it's identifying with his name and everything it represents. The nature, the character, the mission, the purposes, the fact that he is king of kings and lord of lords. When we declare the name of Jesus, get this. We don't have to be screaming at the top of our lungs for it to be a declaration to every heavenly place, every ruler. And when I'm talking about rulers and authorities, I'm talking about the established kingdom of darkness that rules this world. You can think, well, Jesus rules the world. It's like Jesus has authority over all things. The prince of this world is our enemy, the devil. And he has established principalities and powers and rulers, which are, I kind of see as different levels of government. I'm not trying to equate our president and our our Congress and then coming into Nevada, our governor and our senators and our House of Representatives and our states. Those are not necessarily what I'm trying to say. Oh, and that's why the America is, is demonic. That's not what I'm saying. Please stay with me. But there is a hierarchy within the spiritual dark forces that they're attempting to accomplish the will of the enemy, which is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But the name of Jesus is a declaration to every single one of those things that Jesus' name is above every name. There is no authority on heaven and on earth or above the earth or below the earth that can stand against the name of Jesus. And at, at the when it comes down to it, every knee, not just will bow, must bow. I want to bow willingly. Every tongue must confess. I want to confess willingly. I want to acknowledge, I want to bear witness to the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you want to talk, we're talking a little bit about spiritual warfare. You want to know what the best spiritual warfare you can do every day? It's not going to the, the highest place you can get and screaming, Jesus, name over. You know, it's, it's not. It's do what you know to do every day to obey Jesus. As you take care of your family, interact at your job, you do the things you know to do, you are declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. It kind of weakens our witness if we declare to everyone out there Jesus Christ is Lord and if Jesus Christ is not showing up as Lord in here by the way that we live. We're not saved by how we live, but we're known by what we do. Proverbs says, even a child is known by their actions, whether they're pure and right. How much more so us? When we declare the name of Jesus, we do it when we're thankful, when we're in need, when we're in lack, when we're experiencing abundance, in times of health, in times of sickness, in times of hope, in times of despair, when we're under the threat of the enemy or threat of darkness, when we're feeling 100% confident and secure, and when we're scared to death, we declare the name of Jesus. I don't always you know often have these kind of dreams but the other day I had one of those what I would call a dark spiritual dream where I woke up with just like this this sense of fear and foreboding and it just felt like there was uh okay that's the technical term for it it was just like uh and it was like back of my neck was all poking up and everything and I'm feeling just scared to death. And I want to get underneath the blankets and just kind of hide. But I, as I, I had to go to the bathroom, so I had to get out of bed. And so, I mean, 50s are fun. Um, so I'm, I'm, In the daytime, your room looks nice. You know whatever, where everything is, right? You look at it, it's like, that's just a tree. But at night, you start walking through your room, it's like, that might be an ogre. You know, over there, that could be someone with a you know a, a large sword or a you know it, 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 get, anybody besides me. You start seeing things, and when it starts, okay, there's like six of us that acknowledge it. So as I, I I started declaring the name of Jesus, Jesus, your name over this situation, over my fear. I don't even know what's going on, but I'm just speaking the name of Jesus. <clears throat> as God is my witness, I've been listening to this instrumental piano album. By a worship leader named Jeff Dio, and it's called From Eternity. I would recommend it 100%. It's a 30 minute, six song EP, From Eternity. And I've been listening to that, and as I began to speak the name of Jesus, it sounded in my head like someone had hit the speakers and turned on the MP3, and it starts to play the song, the opening intro, Yearning for Christ. And as it starts to play, I hear it, and it's like every bit of darkness, every bit of fear, every bit of worry, every bit of trepidation is just gone. And I came back, and I laid down in the bed, and I just sat there in this perfect peace. And if you told me three minutes before that I would be laying there in perfect peace and not laying there scared to death, I would have thought, something's going to have to happen. And you know what happened is declaring the name of Jesus with the relationship with Jesus, he will cause the, the enemy to flee. And he will give you his perfect peace. And for me, it settled into this this just beautiful declaration of Jesus' lordship in instrumental, which it's just so, so good. It comes down to this. What will we do with this? Next week as we talk about the name of Jesus, we're going to learn it's not just something where we throw it out out there just kind of maybe this will stick to the wall. Maybe this will work this time. It has everything to do with walking in relationship to him. I don't know where you are with him. The fact that you're here indicates you're at least interested. That's good. He can work with that. If you are interested in relationship with Jesus, he's interested in relationship with you and in transforming you, heart, soul, body, mind, and everything else. Think about this. Maybe on your way home, if you you live with somebody else, talk to him about this. What stands out to you about what you're hearing today with the significance of Jesus' name? Or, or and, what current life situations are you facing that immediately come to mind? It's like, I need to declare Jesus' name over this. It's not a magic phrase, but I declare Jesus' name over my finances. I declare, declare Jesus' name over my bills. I declare Jesus' name over every single one of my kids, especially, you know, I was really glad when they all grew, grew up and they all became adults and then start thinking about... A, adult children out there making decisions and thinking about how great I was at 26. How smart, I i mean, I was so smart when I was 31. I was so smart. And it makes me pray. I pray Jesus' name over my kids. What are the situations? What are the things I need to declare Jesus' name over? Who? Starting with this man. Starting with that person that that is you. Let's bow our heads. Oh, Lord, I thank you for your goodness, and I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the fact that you have given Jesus Christ the name above every name, and that his name every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord of all. I pray today that you would cause those things to be written deep, (coughs) deep into our hearts and into our minds. I pray, Lord, that you would establish and help us to partner with you as you would be working the Holy Spirit into the deepest fabric of our lives, that this calling upon Jesus' name is not just something that we do because it's, it's kind of like a talisman, but we do it out of relationship and out of need and out of acknowledging he is the one that is our Lord. He is the one that is our Savior. Lord, I thank you that you surround us like the mountains surround Jerusalem. I thank you that you are our strength, you are a redeemer, that you are our safe place. And we declare Jesus' name over every part of our family, every part of our physical, mental, emotional, spiritual lives, Lord, over every relationship. We declare Jesus' name over Hillside. We declare Jesus' name over Little Lights Preschool. We declare Jesus' name over everything that we're involved in. May we be people who acknowledge you in every area and may we declare your name every place we go. And as we carry your name, I pray, Lord, that you would heal the sick. I pray that you would raise the dead. I pray that you would cause freedom to come to those that are oppressed. I pray that you would bring sight to the blind. I pray that you would bring light where there is darkness. I pray that you would cause your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, I pray that you would add to the number of people who are being saved on a daily basis in and through our lives as we declare the name of Jesus. Wherever we go, whatever we do, because of you and because of what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Right after we're done here, there's some prayer available for you at this white trellis back here. If you would like to start a relationship with Jesus, I'd love for you to talk to one of the people back there for for prayer. If you're starting with Jesus today, you say, yeah, I want to have him as my Lord, as my Savior. You can also grab one of the yes packets, which is in our Connect and Grow area. Please grab one of those. We tried to stock it full of stuff that will be helpful as you begin to walk with him. Above all else, my goal for each one of us is that we understand that the name of Jesus is something that is meant to be on the very tip of our tongues all the time, and that Jesus is, is not far away, but he's as close as even the air that we breathe. I want to continue with these two blessings, Romans fifteen thirteen and Numbers six twenty two. In Romans it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Our growth track will be happening in here starting at about, at about 20, 25 minutes. So would love to have you. Stick around if you're able. Food and there's childcare. But God bless you. Have a great rest of your Sunday. This has been a podcast presentation of Hillside Four Square Church in Reno, Nevada. You can reach us via email at web at hillside4.org. That's WEB at hillside 4org